Hello, and welcome to episode 160 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 160. This this is going to be a downer episode for you because you were so excited about Tim being on the show last week. Yeah. Well, no, this is a great episode because I just found out that they fixed my chimney right before this hurricane. So I'm in, I'm in good good spirits all around. Awesome. And it also has a zero at the end of the, the number, episode number. So you love those rounded numbers. Zero, 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 zero. Oh, sorry. Also, also with us today is the return of Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. You, you missed a good episode last week with Tim. I can't wait to hear it. It, it was it was interesting. We also put a bow on the discussion about the raging debate about jam versus jelly. We explained it all to the to the listeners, and I actually had feedback from listeners telling me that they really appreciated us clarifying, and that they will have that knowledge now at, at future cocktail parties. So, and that they agree that Uncrustables are the best. You know, funnily enough, not one mention of Uncrustables being delicious like you claim them to be. So. I hear Uncrustables are going to be the new toilet paper in 2020. You watch your mouth. I actually have a box in my freezer because my, my older son went through a phase where he was taking them. He was eating lunches at school, but they're not very big, so he wanted extra food. So we'd always take a lunch at Uncrustable to, to school with him. So, but Smart then, kid. We haven't had school, so he hasn't been eating them. So it was something he had to eat because it was practical, not that he chose to eat. So. There you go. And he's not an NBA player. so. All right. And then rounding out is Phil Fariska. This is a Phil episode. We're excited, Phil. You want to tell us what you got going on in this episode? Uh, it is all about Google's latest ranking signal and how it'll once again completely change the world of SEO. It, we need a, a Geddon word for this one, right? Rankageddon or Mobilegeddon or some <laughs> some kind of SEO is dead. What what do you say? Is SEO dead now for real? No, yeah. this is the new age of SEO. Okay. Uh, it's reborn. It it's is the second is coming the of SEO. Oh, amazing! So, we haven't done one of these episodes. SEO can be kind of dry and kind of off-putting for some people, but we're gonna try to explain it. We're gonna try to get into the nitty-gritty a little bit, but really pull it back to the thirty-thousand-foot view. And in, in once we explain what it is, we're gonna talk about what you need to be doing because of this. And it is important. You know, more more now than ever, people, we're reliant on Google. We we talked about this a lot on the show about how Google is is gonna dominate everything. And one thing for sure, and we'll, I'm foreshadowing the news a little bit, Google is going to be one of the big winners out of this entire situation at the expense of the OTAs and then eventually the hotels. So we gotta play nice with them while simultaneously looking for other opportunities to drive business. But if you're not doing this basic SEO stuff, and this is this is a great example where Google is telling us ahead of time what we need to be doing. So you're foolish if you don't listen to what Google tells you to do because usually it means it's going to be really important in the future. So that's what we'll be digging into today. But before we do, I'm going to call an audible. Let's do a little duet, shall we? What's going on in the news of Ruse? So admit you have two different questions there. Are we doing an audible or are we doing what's in the news ruse now? No, we're gonna call an audible doing a duet for the jingle of the news ruse. So 
I, I guess I'm, there's no clarity there. I would like Melissa and Pete to sing together the Newsaroos jingle. How about that? Wow, we're not even in the same room. I know. How about this? On three, two, one, go. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for Newsaroos. Wow, that was an epic fail. <laughs> I was kind of thinking it was going to be in the style of a barbershop quartet. We all yeah. sang it. I, I, I couldn't hear Melissa at all. Either she gave up or the technology didn't allow two people to sing at the same time and you allowed her. I don't know. Pete just I dominated it because he wants the news origin go all for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was power play. It, well, did it work, Melissa? Do you feel intimidated? Uh, it's okay. He can have it. It was a microaggression against you. I wouldn't stand it for was. it. I would report HR right. violation right now. So, so speaking of abysmal duets, let's talk about the abysmal April perform, uh, second quarter performance that Expedia Group has shown. That's our news item today. Right. And it comes to us from Focus Wire. And he, like I said, the headline is abysmal April pulls Expedia Group down to record lows in the second quarter. And we've all talked about the impact of COVID on our individual hotel properties and resorts, but this is some pretty interesting numbers. So overall, for the first for the three months in the second quarter, gross bookings through Expedia Group were down 90% over the same period last year. And to put that into perspective from a dollar's perspective, they generated $566 million in revenue compared to 3.2 billion last year yeah yeah that's when you couple billion here and there it becomes real numbers uh but pocket, but pocket yeah, change so yeah exactly so it, it's just incredible to look at the the amount that expedia has taken a hit and even more so than you know a lot of the properties that you know we're aware of and looking at what the overall bookings were assuming a property wasn't necessarily completely shut down I mean, these are really, really bad numbers for Expedia. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, second quarter marketing spends for them last year. Last year, they spent $1.6 billion on selling and marketing. This second quarter, $296 million. Wow. Wow. Well, that, yeah. that goes to show you that that, that kind of you know, runs downhill because that money would have been spent with Google, typically. True. I think the other thing, the interesting part of this article is in April, cancellations exceeded total new bookings in all of Expedia Group, which is insane that they're basically in business to refund people's money. The good news is, is in looking at the July data, they feel that that has plateaued and is more in line with what we've seen in the past. So that could be you know, a, a light at the end of the tunnel that we're starting to see people wanting to travel more, not canceling the reservations as much as they used to, and trying to find, I hate this term, and I know Melissa does, that new normal for travel. I don't think that there is such a thing. I'm just, yeah. today is the new normal, and tomorrow will be another new normal. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a temporary state, as we've been seeing constantly with our travel sentiment study that you can't assume anything's going to last more than a few days or a, few, a couple of weeks because we're getting ready to push out the, the what volume eight now the the sentiment study in just in a couple of weeks things have yo-yoed once again in terms of where people's head is so 
it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a rough one. And and I think the thing we've got to remind ourselves of consistently, and, and not not to freak people out, but because I think we've just got to go into this with our eyes open. We're in peak travel summer season right now for leisure travel, right? This is typically when business travel, group travel, um, in in conferences is on hiatus, right? In in what typically the trend in general, the the trend is that as summer leisure travel dro- starts to drop, that stuff starts to pick up. Well, we don't know what's going to happen here. You know, are schools going back or not? When is the the leisure travel going to start to drop off? Is it going to be different or earlier? Have we burned through all the higher risk takers that people just going to write it off and, and wait until next year? Are kids going to be in school? Are people going to have money to continue to vacation? But then we're, we're heading into a fall when there's probably going to be significantly less leisure travel, but even greater extent, there's going to be less conferences in business travel than compared to normal. So and demand is going to be up and down and up and down, but it's going to be more down than up for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. So you've got to really figure out how are you going to maximize everything you're doing and how can you make, maintain viability throughout this because it's it's we've got a little little ways ahead to come out of this including Expedia, including booking including every hotel including flags including independence all of us so. except google <laughs> well google have the cash on hand to to weather it right they're they're going to take market share clearly because this that's that's what they do and more and more the the pie is going to be spent with google i mean just look at how our clients budgets are increasing on things like Meta and, and, and you know Google Hotel ads is a prime example where they're going to make up some of this lost revenue from the OTAs. And they just and, and like we talked last week about the you know Google My Business charging every business six six hundred dollars a year, you know that's the kind of place they're going to start generating billions of new dollars. So. Crazy world. All right, let's 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 shift gears. Let's move into something a little more optimistic and forward thinking. And I think one of the challenges right now is everyone's so focused on today and and how to survive. And and you need to be right. And there's been so much noise out there, and the signal to noise ratio in the industry with is is, is warped right now. There's a lot of people regurgitating the same stuff. We hope that the podcast has at least given you some. Um, opportunity to think a little differently or approach things a little differently and, and giving you some tactical things that you can employ to to try to be successful or as relatively successful as you can during this pandemic. But we've also got to realize that at some point, this is, this is going to be back to somewhat of a normal and we've got to be in the best shape we can when that happens, right? We can't lose sight of tomorrow because we're so focused on today. And so this this episode is specifically that. This is stuff you can be working on today that will set you up for great success tomorrow in, in whenever that day comes, right? So this is an SEO episode. We, we haven't done one of these in a little while. But we're going to be talking about this new ranking signal that Google has come out and, and said is going to be important, which isn't always the case. Sometimes Google is very guarded about what they're doing to change the ranking algorithm. But this, this is called page experience. It's a sig- new signal that is going to make a big difference. So, Phil. It's the rebirth of SEO. The rebirth 
of SEO is it's a new SEO. now. The new normal of SEO is now. <laughs> so, Phil, you're a resident SEO expert as a director of marketing here at Fuel. What is page experience? What are, what are they talking about? So it is, as you might imagine, a combination of page experience factors, many of which you've, you've heard us talk about a lot on the show. Um, some of them are new, but some of them you've heard over and over and over again, so they shouldn't be new to you. Uh, but what Google's doing is taking all of these factors, wrapping them up into one cool new ranking signal that they're calling page experience. So let's talk about the ones that are the the old factors you should already know about, and I don't need to get into too much detail. First one being mobile friendliness. I what? can't tell you how many times on the show we've talked about making your website mobile friendly. Um, so the things that could affect that are if your text is too small to read, if your clickable elements are too close together, if your, if your content, booking engine sucks, if your booking engine sucks, if your content is too wide uh, for the whole screen, um, it just creates a poor experience. So Getting that stuff fixed, you should have already done. If you haven't, get on that now. Uh, the second being site security. This is another one that's that's quite old. And if your site does not live on a secure domain, meaning your URL starts with HTTPS, then you need to get on that as well. Um, and lastly, another one we've talked about before are intrusive interstitials. It's just a fancy word for your pop-up blocks too much of your content when someone visits your site from search results. So those are the three old factors that make up this new page experience ranking signal. So let's get into the new fun ones. So these new ones are part of what Google calls the core web vitals. And if you're ever in your Google Search Console, you've probably seen this, um, these, these core web Vitals start with largest contentful paint. Um, essentially, that is just the load speed. So, how is that different from the first meaningful paint? Is that just a whole different thing? <laughs> well, I mean, the smallest, you know, the, we got the smallest, the first, the last. I mean, all of these contentful paints. I mean, we, we, I'm, I lay awake at night worried about contentful paints, I'll be honest. <laughs> to make this extremely easy to understand, this is what you would, as the user, see as load speed of a site when it's all there. So when is the largest contentful paint? So to provide a good experience, you know, it, Google wants it to be two and a half seconds from when the page first starts loading. You should have everything that you need. Next one would be first input delay. So this is the responsiveness portion of it. Um, and then it kind of quantifies when the user gets to see something they can interact with. Um, this is even quicker. This should be no loading wheels, nothing like that. When someone clicks to your site within 100 milliseconds, something should show. That's so the first input delay. For an example, would that be like the booking widget on your homepage, for example, that you need to be able to click in the calendar within 100 milliseconds? Not necessarily. So this is like, that would be more, more part of the largest contentful paint, the, the booking widget portion. First input delay would be what, how quickly does something 
show. So rather it goes than from white screen to to something. Something. Right. Okay. So then, yeah, what you're talking about, Melissa, is part of the largest contentful paint. And lastly, the one that I like the most because it figures out the most annoying parts of websites is the cumulative layout shift. I know this is all so boring to you, but this one, you have all dealt with this, and it is incredibly annoying. So this is the stability of your page. So say you go to click a button and something else just happened to load, and then you click the wrong button. And it's you, super annoying. It's yeah. so annoying, and everyone's had this happen. A lot of news sites do that, right? Where you're, Especially on mobile, where you're scrolling down and you're reading an article, and then an ad is like an ad image comes in after the fact and shifts the screen. So now you've yeah. got to refine where you were. Really bugs me. Yeah, so Google put a score on this, essentially, and said... If your website's doing this a lot, we're not going to rank you very high, or it's part of the core web vitals that we consider. But all of this is good stuff. So essentially what they're saying is, you know, to break this down very simply is make your website fast, make it load fast, make it interactive quickly, and don't mess with people when they're there. Yeah, one might even say make it a good page experience. I mean, they should <laughs> probably take that as, as part of the naming, I would, I would suggest to them. Stuart, you're right on the money. So yeah, all of this. When we take the old stuff, the mobile friendliness, security, um, removing intrusive interstitials, along with that page load and stability of a page, all of this is going to combine into a cumulative score. And so if you rank well with this cumulative score, then you're way more likely to outrank your competition for whatever your target keyword is. So pay attention to all of this stuff, or at least have your agency pay attention to all of this stuff because it is going to be the tie-breaking factor for you versus your competition. So, so if you think back to last week's episode, one of the, the quotes that, that we started with with Tim was, content is king, customer experience is queen, and data is the crown jewels. And if you listen to the second part of that, the customer experience is queen, this is part of what they're talking about. It's not just the experience of the guest on the property. It's the experience the guest has interacting with your brand. And the website is a large part of that. And so having a good page experience is going to be, it's always been important. It's, it's always been queen, but it's more important now because Google's telling us it's important. And so it's, it's probably going to rise in the impact that it has. So it's something you need to be focused on. And it's, I, I really appreciate that they put legitimate, scores on this stuff so you know how well your website is performing especially in relation to other sites or you know industry standards that you know that'll that'll be out there it, it gives you a goal to strive for that you know google's saying hey meet this criteria well i mean Which they don't about always it, do. this is really the first or well, not first i mean it's first in a while that google's really changed just a true technical perspective. You know, typically in the past, something the marketing team could work on creating FAQs, creating new content, doing all the different things that will help. This is purely from a really a, a server perspective and hosting perspective and, and things along those lines that really may fall out of the marketing perspective realm. But I think it's some things that the marketers and the hoteliers are going to need to really focus on with their IT team, making sure that they have the infrastructure to make this stuff happen. 
Yeah, this and is a, another don't be siloed. Yeah. I'm going on mute, guys. Okay. So for the folks listening at home, Melissa has had a bit of a rough week, shall we say, and she, she was away dealing with some family stuff and then came back to a, a dog that was puking everywhere and an AC unit that was out. So she's just had to go on mute because the AC person just arrived at her house. So she will probably be back on later in the show. Alrighty. <laughs> was that TMI? I don't know. Probably. But we share because we care. All right. So Pete, you have any questions for Phil about his contentful paint or any of this stuff? Yeah. I mean, is do I need to do this right away? This is kind of one of those things where you just told me that I need to get, it's Friday when we're recording this. I need to get on the phone with the IT crew and everybody and get them working through the weekend to make this happen, right? Yes. Immediately. <laughs> no. <laughs> so another, another cool part about this uh, is Google's giving us all a little bit of a break. Um, or at least they're calling it that they're giving us a little bit of a break. It could just be that it's not ready yet. But either way, they're saying they're giving everyone a chance to recover from the effects of COVID before they launch this page experience as a true ranking factor. Um, they've said that it's going to go in effect in 2021. They said they will provide six months notice before they officially launch it. Um, but we will stay on top of this. We'll let you know that hey, we're within that six-month window. But realistically, if you're paying for SEO right now, this is something that you should have already been working toward um, because we know that some of these things already affect rankings. It's just not this pretty little bow, here's your score ranking factor. Yeah, and if you're not paying someone for SEO, then then your friends here at Fuel can help you out with that because it's something we've been focused on for a long time already with our clients here's here's the thing though here's the really in, interesting thing that i read from the fact that google's come out and originally was going to roll this out this year they said and then they pushed it back because of covid but they're being very clear they're being very deliberate in communicating this way ahead of time i mean this is unprecedented where google's saying we're going to give you we're going to tell you it's going to happen and then when we're even closer we're going to tell you when it's going to happen like that that hasn't happened in years and years. And in the past, when it has, it has really shaken up rankings, like dramatically. So what what I'm reading from this is Google's basically saying, hey, without telling you, I'm telling you right now that if you don't do this, you're gonna be really regretful that you didn't do this stuff. So I think this is as important as anything else you can be doing right now from an SEO perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's purely technical. So it's gonna take a little bit of time for anybody pre-COVID or post-COVID to make sure that their technical teams, their SEO teams are, are working toward this. Because there might be some big changes from a your individual website's perspective. Yeah, you might have to rebuild your website from scratch. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things that need to get done. Mm -hmm. But like you said, they're giving us specific metrics that we can start going after, which yeah. is great because that's not – you can't game – hundred, you know, having a first input delay of less than a hundred milliseconds. There's not a SEO black hat trick to do that. Yeah, white white text on white background would totally fix that problem. Yeah, this is this is one of those things where I I think they're doing this because you know there's so many old websites out there that are essentially they're they're not going to be able to meet the criteria Google's asking for, and they will fall out of any ranking that they have because of this. 
they're saying this is coming if you need a new website start saving or start building right now mm-hmm. it will affect you yeah if, if your website's more than a, a year or two old or you haven't put any effort into efficiency and page speed and things like that, then it probably is time to say, okay, I I probably need to figure out my budget is strapped, but I probably need to think in the next 12 months that I'm going to be rebuilding my website Um, or at least overhauling it. No, and it's not just the front end of the website. I mean, look at the third party integrations you have, be it with a booking engine or with random plugins and whatnot. You want to make sure that all of those things are working together and you're not getting dinged because a, a third party is not doing what they need to do. And also look at your CMS. Uh, if it's WordPress, if it's another platform, whatever it might be, make sure that you don't have a technical hurdle that you're not going to be able to get over to meet this criteria and do that now before 2021 where you get penalized for it. Yeah. You make a really good point. Cause if you look at the, the large, largest contentful paint, right? Part of, part of that is, not just when you the website looks like it's finished loading to you. It's when it's actually completely finished loading, meaning that every background widget in, in Gizmo that you've installed over the years, and, and there are tools out there that can scan a website, and I know a friend of the show, Lauren Gray, has talked about this a lot, but when he goes and audits sites, he says, you know, some hotel websites have 30 or 40 scripts on their, on the, on, in their co- embedded in their code from different... You know, pixel tracking and and just different things that have been embedded on the site over many many years. This is the time to audit that and really get rid of the garbage that you don't need anymore. Because every single one of them is potentially hurting you and holding you back from a ranking perspective. So you got to say, is this worth it? And not just the widgets behind the scenes, but the content. Look, really scrutinize the content on your homepage and say, is this there here because Joe in the golf department pressured me to put it on there, or does it actually add value to to the website and to the the average consumer that's coming here? So really being deliberate about what is what content and what functionality is on the site. Come on, Joe. <laughs> Joe's always asking for stuff to be slapped on. He he's a NASCAR fan, so he likes that NASCAR effect of <laughs> websites. He's slapping on more stickers. Alrighty, so we know when it's going into effect. What else? What other questions do, do people have? I mean, I think the, the biggest one is okay. So, what's going to how, how is my hotel experience on the website going to change, and what do I need to do? All right. So, if you want to know how this is going to affect you, Pete, the one thing that we need to focus on here is the one thing that Google focuses on always is that this is a, while very important, is still secondary to having great content. You need to still create great content. You can't just speed up your site and then have crap content because Google will not serve it if people do not want to read it. So main, your, 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 your great content will still be the main focus. What page experience is going to do to you and your website and your rankings is create that tiebreaker effect. So when you and your competitor both have really great content and really either one of you could serve and answer a searcher's query. The page experience factor is what's going to have you outrank your competition. So still create great content, but also have a great page experience. So is this going to be a big change in terms of there's always been the just throw everything at the, the homepage to get your content up. 
you know, I want to have a photo gallery on there and I might as well have a booking engine. I might as well have, you know, the latest news. I need to do this, this, and this. As hoteliers, do we need to take a step back and say, okay, we need to pare down our landing pages to just the true things that are going to lead to a conversion? Well, yeah. I mean, I think what, what you want your any page of your website to be is you know, the response to a given query. If you are answering the searcher's intent, you're much more likely to rank. If you're trying to throw a ton of stuff out there just to have it all in one place, like your homepage, like you said, it's probably not the best experience for your user. You can break that stuff into multiple pages. As long as your internal linking is done well, the user will have no problem navigating from one page to another. If you make it pretty clear, this is how you know you find this information. This is how you find that information. They'll be able to navigate there, and your and those pages will answer a, a a different question, which will rank. You know that page will rank for different queries. That's kind of the back to the basics of SEO. But the idea is to have great content that answers specific queries. Yeah. So I mean, should we be looking at a minimalistic approach to any given page, including the homepage? Maybe. I mean, if 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 your homepage is all junked up and it's super slow and doesn't have a focus, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's time to really to look at that and see how, you know how should I break up this content and make it more digestible and and easily navigable. So, so what are your thoughts on having three or four Facebook feeds? <laughs> That's I have many thoughts feed. about that. I mean, I mean, in general, right? That's a great example where people went through this thing of that they put their Twitter feed or their Facebook feed or the Instagram on the homepage. You got to think about what is what purpose is that serving, right? Is is it helping me put more heads in beds and and use your data to to try to figure that out, right? Do a test and and see what impact that has on your conversion rate. You have six plus months to figure this out. So to test that kind of thing. But I I, I believe there's there's another narrative to this this whole thing. Because one of the other things Google's quietly said is it seems like they're changing the way they look at accelerated mobile pages. It seems like this is the way they're going to go forward. And, and, and if you look at them six months ago, they were saying, and they were ranking almost exclusively on mobile devices, but certainly for new searches, they were ranking um, AMP pages exclusively. They weren't ranking non-AMP pages for certain queries. That has since changed. And, and I think that's a big indicator that Google is really saying, okay, we probably got it wrong by telling people to completely strip down their sites. However, we still do think that you should use the appropriate amount of content you need to, but no more than that to rank. Well, the, the idea of AMP was to create kind of what we're talking about here, but I think it was abused and, and not used correctly. And that's why it wasn't adopted by everyone so quickly this is this is easier for everyone to understand like hey just make it fast and easy to use and everyone will be happy it doesn't have to be this stripped down thing well the other part of amp was that that it was a walled garden right it was although it was an open source technology it was really google was forcing it down our throats and people resisted that a little bit with this is just 
common sense approach to web development, which is going to be good for everyone. It, it's you know it's going to be good for Bing and and everyone else. So well, that and also everybody tried to jam as much as they could in AMP pages and hack it to make <laughs> yeah. it more like a regular website. Well, not yeah. not everyone, Pete. Well, Our clients didn't. AMP, but maybe I can do this way and this way and make it work. Yeah. I mean, we said from the beginning, AMP was a terrible idea, right? We've been, been very much detractors from the concept. So I'm, I'm glad to see that we were proven right. And this is another validation of that in, in, in these changes. Yeah, we've taken the approach of let's make fast websites that are easy to use for quite some time. And now it's like, hey, this is going to be a big ranking factor. All of us are sitting over here like, well, thank God. Here we yeah. go. Great. So- so, Phil, I have a kind of a question on this whole whole process as well. It, it seems like you're going to be in competition with your hotels in your area, and it all comes down to fractions of a second, more or less, of, of who gets the ranking. Because it, let's say everyone's going toward those core web vitals, and you know you can load in you know one one thousandth of a second, and someone else's one one thousandth and one of a second. I mean, those are the tiebreakers, right? So it's sure, sure, but I mean, it's definitely it's more nuanced than that. There's still other ranking factors out there. You, you know, the authority of your domain will still matter. The backlinks pointing to your site and how authoritative they are will still matter. I mean, all of that is still being taken into consideration. It's not like they're you know the rank brain algorithm is going away. This is just another factor that they're adding to it. So really, what I want to stress here is. This is, if, if you have a very similar piece of content, we're not talking necessarily about your homepage, but maybe some of your interior pages. Uh, if it's very similar to your competition, this here will be the, the tiebreaker that'll make you outrank those other sites. So think about it that way, not necessarily this is the end-all be-all to first page rankings. Yeah, so an example of that might be if you're writing about a local restaurant or a local attraction or something that's that's not specifically about your property, but it's also something that other hotels in the area are writing about. Um, that's the kind of content where if you want to compete and, and win, you've got to pay attention to this stuff. Facts. Facts. Truth. Hashtag truth. All right, so... <laughs> What 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 should people be doing right now? What are the we like to be tangible and tactical on this this show? So what are what are the specifics? Sure. All right, number one, create one, one, great one, one, content. One. Create great content. Create great content. I'll say it a million times. So number create one, two, three, content. and four is, is great, great yes. content. Okay. All right, number five, 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 five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make your website fast, as we talked about using those core web vitals, and continue on. If your website's not secure, make it secure. This is one of the things Google asked you to do years ago. And if you haven't met those criteria yet, get on it, please. Well, um, I want to think that at this point is not even Google's telling me to do this. Well, I guess in a way, because Chrome is telling me to do this, but Firefox is telling me to do this and Brave and whatever browser yeah. you're using. You're getting all kinds of, you know, flashing lights now when you do not have a secure site. You know, in the in the browser, in the URL bar, it's saying this site is dangerous. Don't go here. There's this is not secure. So, aside from Google, you need to get that done. Always, and you will lose out on bookings every time. I know, you know everyone listening here will not put their credit card information into a site that says not secure in the address bar. It, they just you just won't, and you know it. So don't be one of those sites. And the next thing is 
view Search Console or run your website through the Google Mobile Friendly Test, it'll spit out exactly what they find as errors and either fix it or give it to your dev team to fix it. But they lay out the issues right there for you. Just pop in your URL and it'll tell you where your uh, where your site is not mobile friendly. Search Console does a great job at this. That's why I said it first. Um, they point out you know, what your issues are and what pages those issues exist on. And, you know, a lot of times those are pretty simple things. You know, like, and one that you mentioned was the text is too small on the page. You know, that's, a, that's an easy fix to make. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that are easy fixes. And if you're the one doing it and your competitor's not, it's one of those things that it, you're going through a constant level of tiebreakers and tiebreakers. So those are easy things to fix. Yeah, and it can get overwhelming because some of it can seem technical, but that's where you got to take a team approach. Someone built your website if you didn't, right? That that person or those people will have the skill set to implement some of the stuff that's intimidating to you. You just got to be your own advocate. That most web teams are not going to be proactively once they've handed the website over to you, monitoring the stuff and improving that. Some some like fuel do, but a lot will not, right? So you you've got to be your own advocate and go and proactively encourage people to pay attention to this stuff or you've got to pay attention to it and then send it to them and say you need to fix this yeah and a lot of these you know don't don't come at this as the approach that these are bugs or problems that your web developer caused for you and i'm saying this as as a web developer things change and a website is not a build it and forget it type thing there are things that are going to be constantly evolving and you need to be changing your site on an ongoing weekly basis to keep up. You know, we, we deal with issues now where you have clients who have a CMS that might be built in six, seven years ago, and it's just not set up to handle these type of changes. Yep. All right. What's next? Right, I next. forgot. I lost track of the numbers because you didn't, you, you created the cardinal sin. You didn't number these. You did a bulleted list. Unacceptable. I always do bulleted lists. <laughs> bullet, right, bullet, so bullet, 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 bullet. If you're using an intrusive pop-up, meaning if somebody visits your site from a search result and you block the content on the page or the pop-up, that's what they're calling intrusive interstitials, remove that. Or at least push it to the, you know, so it pops up on the second page they navigate to. That's okay. I think that that pretty much passes all of you know Google's intrusive interstitial deal. Um, but don't let them block the main content when they visit from search results. And if you're unsure about this, go on your phone, search for your brand name, and click on your organic result. When you get to your page, is something blocking what the user should be reading? It's as yeah. simple as that. And do it in an incognito window so that you can see the first, you know, because you might have been cookied and you might not see it like the first visitor does. So here's the thing. I think a lot of times we do things that we think a quick solutions right so we say i'm going to slap a pop-up on because i'll get a bunch of email addresses well you might but there's a cost there's a consequence to that one one you're probably getting lower quality emails which will in inevitably lower the performance of your email database because fewer people are going to interact with your emails and folks like google are then going to send it to less inboxes and fewer inboxes and things like that but two you're also probably alienating some people there are better ways to collect email addresses than slapping a big pop-up right in front of people on the first first visit. So I, I would discourage that that behavior 
in general, but if you want to still do it, then just do it in a way that makes sense. Like Phil said, either put it on the second page visit or make it non-intrusive. Put it somewhere lower on the page or better yet, put it into the flow of collecting data. Like there's nothing wrong with collecting it in the booking engine or something like that. You can collect and, an and email like you and said, other it's a trade-off. Yeah. Understand that it's a trade-off and not it's not a magic talisman that you can collect unlimited emails with a pop-up or drive more bookings. It is a tool that you can use and it has pluses and minuses. Just understand those. Yeah. yeah. And and if you want to if you want to test it, you know, shrink it down. It it can be small, it can still be there. You can still collect the email address on the first visit, just don't block the content. Or try it, you know, don't put it on the first visit, put it on the, the second page they visit, and it can be larger. If that if that gets you more email addresses, great. But test this stuff and figure out what yeah. works for you. And you can do a simple thought exercise too. Like if you really wanted to, you could say, Okay, what 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 am I what's my traffic now from search or what where am I ranking now on certain keywords? And there's data out there that shows you how much more traffic you can gain per ranking improvement, right? So just just try to figure out how much ranking improvement on how many keywords would I have to get to offset the the emails that I would lose from not doing a pop-up. Because if, a, if an email address is worth 50 cents to you, say, or a dollar to you, and you're collecting, you know, 100 a week through a pop-up, how much potential traffic could you gain just from a single ranking increase on some high-traffic keywords and, and see which one's worth more? The, the spirit of... Sweaty, no AC Melissa is saying, always be testing, always be <laughs> testing. <laughs> you know, don't just jump to an, uh, an assumption that this is going to be better. Yeah, that's very, very true. All right, what what's next? Number bullet, bullet, right. bullet, bullet, bullet. So bullet, 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 bullet. Use your Google PageSpeed Insights or their Lighthouse tool to identify issues with the um, three core web vitals. And then... The one thing I would recommend to you is because these tools are going to spit out a bunch of issues and it's going to look overwhelming. Speak to your developer and prioritize them based on, hey, all right, what is the easiest one to fix that's going to have the biggest impact to my page speed? And what is the hardest one to fix that's going to have the least amount of impact to my page speed? And then prioritize it that way. So start with the the easiest ones that have the most impact all the way down to the hardest ones that have the least impact. If you need to create yourself a little, you know, four quadrant grid and you place them in there, that's fine. But that's how you should be prioritizing these. And how much do you have to pay to use Insights and Lighthouse? Oh, they are as free as could be. What? Free as a bird now. Yeah, there's a price, but it's not a monetary price. Yeah. We're selling ourselves to Google's, you know, souls to Google. <laughs> I, I, I would say too, you know, you mentioned that it's overwhelming, and it is. And, and even for for professionals like us, when you run these reports, sometimes it's like, holy cow, that's a lot to tackle. Keep in mind, you've got probably, you know, between six and twelve months to do this. Right? Google is going to tell us when you have a six-month clock that starts. You've got time. Now, the sooner you do it, the better, because these, these are important now. But you don't have to fix all of these over the weekend. You you can schedule, hey, I'm going to take the, the easiest 10, and that's going to be my SEO effort for the for the month. Or, or, or I'm paying a, a firm to do SEO. Let's have them take out 10% of these each month for the next six months. Well, that's, okay. that's the secret as well is even, you know, within our own company, we run these reports and you see the things that have to get done and you don't do it all in a month. 
it is an ongoing process. You just start hacking away at it. And as you get better at it, you cross things off the list. But like we're talking about today, new things are going to get added as well. I can almost guarantee you when you look through this stuff, the one thing that you will notice is that you have images that are way too large that someone just slapped in there by reducing that si the size of that image to fit what it should be. You're going to increase page speed immediately. So it's those little type of easy, you know, few minute changes that you can make that'll those are the easy ones that have big impact. So pay attention to those. Yeah. And and it's the old age old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right? You just have to take a chunk of this and do it and then chew it up and swallow it and move on to the next one and you'll you'll get through it. And you know, my my favorite phrase that I've been using more and more recently is where focus goes, energy flows. And so Focusing on this now will mean that your behavior will change. If you're paying attention to your Lighthouse data, to your Google Search Console data, if you're communicating to your SEO team that you listen to this podcast and you feel like this is important, that is you changing your focus. And that will inevitably mean that that's where your energy will go to and people will start paying attention to this stuff. So it's on you as marketers to say this is important it might not be the number one most important thing right now, but it's important enough to be, to be on your radar and uh, you to be tackling it at some point. At least have it on your to-do list. I got one more. You got one more number, bullet, 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 bullet. You need to keep listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast for updates on page experience. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Cheeky. Yeah. For updates on page experience and jams. Yeah. Fruit-based deliciousness. You'll get updates on both. Well, cool. I think we I think we killed this one. I think we said everything we can say and nothing yeah. nothing more. We beat this horse into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's an image right there. Uh, what I'm if Melissa had come back on right there and that's what she had heard? She's like, "What are you guys talking about?" Oh, well. She is. She's listening. She's just still on mute. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well. Hey Pete, can Yo. you can you pretend to be Melissa at the end of the show when I say Melissa? Where can they find you? Sure. All right, cool. Well, guys, if you want the notes to this show, and we'll we'll kind of spell out. We've used some technical words like largest contentful paint. Those are confusing, and we've written them down for you with, with definitions, and so you can really wrap your head around it. You don't really need to understand it other than to know that it's important. But um, all that stuff's in the show notes. And so that's at fueltravel.com slash podcast. And click on episode 160. And while you're there, don't forget to download our latest travel studies. We'll be pushing out another one this upcoming week. It'll be volume eight. And we have asked some interesting new questions, including one of our faithful listeners gave us the idea. And we'll, we'll talk about who that was in next episode when we talk about the results. But to ask um, some new types of questions about what expectations were related to rooms being closed for 24 or 48 hours between guests and things like that. So there's some new data that we've got. Also some really preliminary data that we looked at, really interesting from the perspective of how the psychology has shifted. And remember last time we talked about face masks and how polarizing it was um, between people that were pro and against it has there's been a massive shift on that specific question. So 
hold hold on to your hats for next week's episode because we're going to be talking about that. So, but until then, if they want to learn more about you, Phil, and all the excellent SEO work you do for our clients, or if they want to reach out to Fuel and say, "Hey, I want Fuel to do my SEO," where can they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at p Fariska, p f o r i s k a. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Or if you're talking about services, you can email us at info at fuel travel. There you go. Dot com. Yeah. Don't forget the dot com because otherwise it won't get dot us. Com. There you go. And Pete, they want to learn more about you. We're going to do that. All right. Well, they can find me on Twitter as well at P Demayo, P D I M A I O, and I too am on LinkedIn. Believe it or not. Wow. I believe it. And, and Melissa, where can they find you? Well, I'm Melissa. I'm the director of analytics at Fuel Travel. I'm a wellness enthusiast, runner, dog lover, chocolate lover, wine drinker, former music teacher, and my tweets are my own. If you want to read them, go to M Cavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Did you just read her Twitter profile? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till she hears that. That is amazing. You forgot to mention you were dead inside. She doesn't have that on here. Uh, if you have, you, if you know her password, it. I can update it there. All right. <laughs> we can hack it. That's fine. Yeah. All right. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Uh, again, notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 160. And if you do have interest in SEO services or web development, we, we do provide both of those along with award-winning, great custom state-of-the-art software like booking engines, mobile apps, and eCRM solutions. And if you want interest in any of that, you can learn more on our website, fueltravel.com, or shoot us a good old-fashioned email, info at fueltravel.com. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. English pickle, not stupid American pickles. What? What do you mean what? What's an English pickle? It's not a pickle. It's pickle. It's 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 like you don't have a grit. You have grits, right? Um, it pickle is it's pickled little chunks of onions and and pickles and gherkins in this like tangy black so, um, vinegary sauce stuff. It's delicious. That sounds awful. No, it's it's delicious. I just said it was delicious.